Hello everyone and uh, welcome to this CIE podcast. My name's Laura, I'm from the, uh, the CIE team, I'm one of the educational developers and I'm delighted today to be joined by an external from the university. So people do exist outside. So we'll be joined today by Stuart Waddington. I'm going to let him introduce himself uh, in a second and tell us a little bit about where he's from. But the, in this episode we're, we're going to sort of get the experiences and opinions and sort of points of view from outside the sector. So uh, hopefully you enjoy the episode. And um, without further ado, Stuart, if you could sort of introduce yourself to the listeners and uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and also your own podcast, which is fabulous. Excellent. Thank you so much, Laura. And great. Thank you for inviting me on. And like you said, I've got my own podcast, so it's nice to be on the other side of it, this, and just be nice and relaxed and just be able to share and talk. So, yeah, so my name's Stuart Waddington. Um, I'm from the Northwest, so I live just on the Wirral. Lots and lots of stuff that we'll go through, but on the face of it, I, I own a, um, a training company um, called Star Development UK. That has come to fruition through all my passions and drive and kind of where I've come from regards to um, as soon as I left school, well, through school, actually, I was always um, physically minded. So always everything to do with sport. I even went to the stage of potentially getting a bit more serious in swimming. And when they were asking me to train before and after school, I was like, mm, not into that, not through laziness, just because I wanted to run, play racket sports and swim, do everything. So, so that led me on to um, college and university because I wasn't really academically minded and um, I was more practically minded. And on reflection, I probably did a more academic degree than I should have and um, I just scraped through. And um, because at college, at the end of college, I found out I was dyslexic, quite badly dyslexic, actually. So I didn't have a very good time during education. And um, but obviously college and university, I was able to follow my passion, which has got an underlying um, theme here. And then I went into the military. So I realized I could get paid to do what I love to do um, with little paperwork. And I say that because I always say that a physical training instructor in the military is a bit like a PE teacher with probably less paperwork and red tape because where I went to university and there was quite a lot of teachers. So I've got a, quite a few friends that are PE teachers, etc. That's why I mentioned that. So I, I was a physical training instructor doing all the sports, all the rah-rah, shouty-shouty stuff in the military. But you get to specialise after a couple of years. And I specialised as a, an adventure training instructor. So an adventure training instructor is basically the military use the outward bounds to develop their people and teams. So we use predominantly um, North Wales um, and France, Germany, Austria for our playground. So we did skiing, climbing, mountain biking, paddling, all the outward bound stuff. Um, and it wasn't to teach people the outward bounds, it was to use it as a medium. So I always give the example of climbing. We weren't there to tell people and teach people how to climb. We were there to show one person in the team how to put their harness on and then give them the responsibility to then pass the information over to the other team and they put their harness on. Obviously, we would check for safety and um, before then going on the, the, the rock. But again, we'd have a task that was split between the top and bottom of the, the crag, the rock, and we'd um, lower half the team maybe halfway down the crag and then they'd have to pass information up and down the rock face. So uh, 
some people are quite scared. It's quite a common thing to be worried or sometimes petrified of heights. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, we used to do that. So I've got four young children and um, I left the military after 12 years and I started this journey of just continuing my passion um, of, of developing people in teams and just talking. And I, I'll probably share later on about my passion about improving people's self and situational awareness. And as we know, that it's been a bit of a challenging 18 months, let's say. And that was just happened as I decided to start doing purely my own things. Because when I left, I was doing freelance and associate work um, because of the coming out of the military bubble, as I call it. I obviously had to, well, I didn't want to go and get a job. Um, I wanted to do my own thing, but obviously it's challenging to make that transition. So just before the whole um, pandemic hit, I, I decided to do my own thing which led to a challenging time and you mentioned about the podcast so in challenging times I had a thought of what can I do over thinking well this is rubbish I can't do anything and um, I'm quite a positive person so I thought I'll, I'll do something so hashtag leadership what's on your mind which is my podcast um, started and I just started with my initial circle of people and um, the whole of the 18 months. The reason why I'm where I am now is because I networked, I spoke to people, I, I reached out, I showed up on LinkedIn. I was a bit nervous to start off with going on, on LinkedIn because I was like, who am I to talk about leadership? But if I've just come from the military, I've got no business experience. And um, obviously that's flipped on its head a little bit. And I now find myself with Thankfully, you said it was a great podcast, which is thank you so much. But I've been able to get some amazing people on the podcast, and it's such a diverse conversation around leadership. Um, I've had the founder of Reebok on the podcast, Joe Foster, the CEO of um, WD40 Company. So high, high up world leaders in leadership. But then I've also had um, a sleep expert on there. Because when you're trying to level up your leadership, sometimes people just think it's go thousand miles an hour, seven days a week for five years, and then wonder why they're just completely destroyed as a person at the end of it, uh, with no great results for the way. I've had my very good friend is a, is a violinist, a professional violinist, and through conversation about the podcast actually, um, reminded me that the violin is the lead of an orchestra. And she's usually number one violinist, and, and an orchestra can be up to 50 people. So that has a lot of leadership. Um, so I was like, we, we should get you on. Um, so yeah, there's loads of, I'm up to episode 61 and we, we've just had two months off. Um, I've now got, I've built an amazing team behind the scenes in that two months, because I was spinning loads of plates doing absolutely everything. And I'm now in a position where the, the company and the business is taking off because of the podcast actually. And we're in a good position hopefully for to finish off the end of this year on, on a high so yeah is that sorry that feels like that's quite a lot of information but hopefully that was useful <laughs> no that's great thank you and um i suppose we should say at this point um stuart and i met um because stuart um and his wife want to run a wonderful boot camp which i was particularly nervous about but um my mum had started going sort of as we were coming out i think of either the second or the third lockdown and um, I suppose like many of our staff and students, I was feeling rather isolated, working from home, not sort of having that physical contact. And it, and it was a way of me getting out the house um, and doing a bit of getting back into exercise. And it honestly has sort of changed my outlook and what I've benefited from it is just incredible. So that's kind of how 
we got talking and got to know each other and um yeah, it's yeah funny, <laughs> it is isn't it yeah when you're kind of running up and down a field with tires and uh swinging kettlebells and stuff <laughs> i think it was what a couple of sessions in wasn't it and i think it was during a pt session with my wife jen who now because again that fits into the category of something over nothing as well because there was an opportunity came about because i was a physical training instructor to start running boot camps and this was before i even left so that was my i've always said that's my my side hustle but again, in challenging times, I've been having that opportunity to bring some different multiple streams of income in. And um, obviously now Jen, my wife, has, has taken up um, her personal training qualification post children. Um, but like I said, we both met at college and uni doing sports. So it's not like it's her, her first time she's been doing it. Um, but yeah, it's meeting people. It's amazing what happens, isn't it, after conversations? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I suppose it's that... Um... Like you say, you can't just go 100% at that at your work. It, it's um, you need that release and sort of yeah, taking care of yourself. And I think like the the exercise and getting out in the fresh air and stuff has definitely helped me. Um, yeah, it's that, it's that, we talk about it all the time with business owners, and hence why we had the sleep expert on there, and also a couple of other people that have mentioned it on the podcast about the the um, slow down to speed up because. It's easy to say, I've got to do more, I've got to do more, I've got to do more, I've got to do more. And, and one of the things that I, I I noticed when I left, I sat down after 12 months and having these sort of multiple roles I was doing. And when I went to do my own thing, I said, what have I seen in the corporate world? And two things came out. One was everybody's busy being busy and there's no focus and direction. And that slow down to speed up element you mentioned there, because it's so important. The benefits are massive. Um, and the other one is loads of people are getting promoted into um, without any sort of without even the leadership development embedded already. So your a sales environment is perfect example. So the, the top salesperson gets promoted to the sales manager or the sales leader. And, and that's not necessarily the right thing, because as a high performer, they end up just trebling their workload because they're good at the job. They haven't necessarily been given the skills to think about delegation about workflow management and, and getting the best out of your team which is the leadership element so um so that's some of the things that we do now and trying to identify in businesses that go ah oh, yeah that's us because what happens is there's usually a lot of staff turnover if that happens because people get promoted then hate what they've suddenly been promoted into and then they leave so there's, there's a big cost involved in that in business so um so yeah Cool. So I thought what we would do is um, there's some sort of current topics, hot topics, if you like, in the higher education sector at the minute. Um, and I think it'd be really great and interesting to get your views, your kind of thoughts on on some of these areas, um, maybe some of your experiences. So I, I think I've got <laughs> I think I've got three um, yeah. that, that came to mind that I think are, are pretty sort of apt and, and current at the moment. So the first one I think is so I think in, in higher education what, what, what we um, talk about a lot is that being a good facilitator so uh, being more than just the person sort of stood at the front of a, of a lecture theatre you know that didactic style of teaching and and then walking away it's it's that facilitating education and facilitating students and it, it's it's a lot more than kind of that stood up at the front the traditional lecture that, that we think of so I suppose it's 
what, what do you think makes a good facilitator? I know you do a lot of facilitation in your own work. So kind of what, what have you learned and what do you think the benefits of, of um, sort of honing that skill of facilitation are? Yeah, so so straight away, the benefits are, are massive. Um, it's, it, it goes straight on to the other person in what I call self-discovery. Um, so you're not answering questions for other people. You're not jumping and not giving them that experience. It kind of, to put it in a, a leadership term as well, and again, we'll come back to the, the detail of facilitation, but it's something I was only talking about yesterday. Um, and it was that saying that leadership is not about you, but it's all about you. Okay, so you, I, you usually have to say that a couple of times to sort of think about that. So leadership is not about you, but it's all about you. So it's not about you because it's the people around you that it's around about. So that's self-discovery. But then it's all about you to be able to create that environment where it's all about the other people and it's challenging. So I, I say that my expertise, I feel, is in facilitation. I'm the first person to say that I am not the world's leader in leadership. I, I just love the topic. It's a great conversation. I'm good at facilitating and upskilling people in their leadership journey because of my experiences in the military. But again, there's a couple of things that I've done. Um, so, so it comes down to listening. It comes down to being able to sit back and listen and also ask great questions and also like the timing, the timing. So we get lots of um, advice, guidance, lessons when we're growing up on how to read, write and speak. And I always say this in some of my um, workshops, read, write and speak. Who's had lots of lessons on how to listen? And, and the odd person puts the hand up because obviously if, they, if you go into coaching, it's all about facilitation, asking questions and, and being comfortable with silence. And there's quite a few good um, experiments and, and ways of going like just being quiet and then watching the room start to like curl up in sort of like, oh, somebody just talk, somebody talk. Um, but when when I was out, um, I remember the first time and I don't like it having a label, to be honest. Um, some coaching I did this week, they commented about the fact of of labels and not calling it like I'm go I'm about to coach you, I'm about to facilitate you. It, it's a natural thing, but again, like any skill, we all start beginners, and it's going to be um, you have to reference notes or or a model or a way of facilitating that you you then in, in three, four months time when you've practiced it um, that it becomes just something you do. But it's it's a lot of asking and one of the things that has helped people and again, this might help the audience regards to and um, becoming a better facilitator or even stepping into that. And um, also that was what I was going to say. I remember the first time I was facilitated and it was one of the first times I stepped into the adventure training world and one of the instructors um, facilitated honestly about a three hour chat on a bench in the middle of North Wales. And it wasn't until the group of us that were on our adventure training instructors course got into the pub later on, which is obviously a great way to f um, have conversations <laughs> that we were like, I can't believe what he did then, because Honestly, it was it, we were doing all the talking and he was just saying the odd thing here and there to to guide the discovery. And, and he knew what he would want out of that 
facilitation, but it wasn't about him telling us. It was about him guiding and, and asking questions. And and if we didn't get to where he wanted us to get to, it didn't matter. Um, you hear this about, um, and I talk about this with business owners and directors all the time, about, yes, you might have the solution, but put it on your team. And there's two outcomes. One is that they arrive at your solution anyway, and they've got ownership and empowerment because they got there. Or they get there. And actually, the, the outcome is 80% of what you thought. You've had the ability to then allow the fact that they've brought 20% better way of thinking, more cost-effective way of thinking, and, and you're you're going away on a win-win. Um, but, that, but that takes time. And generally, I said that people are busy being busy. They're not allowing that time. And it goes into that thing of um, it's, it is a short-term pain because you're having to give that time. But in the long term, it's a massive win because you're creating that environment that empowers the people around you to think. And, and again, what I say this all the time, we're not creating robots. We, we want to create empowered people, students, employees moving forwards. Um, and again, I'll go back to one thing that people can think of to implement to action. Uh, and this had a, one particular business owner I worked with, um, a massive, massive impact because it, in a comical way, it was a massive change and the staff and employees were a bit weirded out by it because his demeanour changed. And, and I'll just tell you what it is about the, the long story. He approached everything without judgment. So before he knew the right answers, it was his business, 30 years, and he was judging everybody. Why are you doing that? What are you doing that for? And quite passive aggressive alpha male and he was quite open to knowing that he'd not done it the right way and I said well what about you just approaching everything with interest just be interested in what's going on around you so if we're interested we ask questions um can you tell me a little bit about what you're doing there and that automatically is a softer way and and you get feedback by by asking, being interested in people and you get them engaged to actually think about what they're doing and and it just creates a better environment and, and it starts the journey of you facilitating because you're asking questions in a soft, interested, meaningful way. So um, hopefully that helps. Yeah, I think that's a, a really good point. I sort of, as you were talking then, I was thinking about kind of how our ambition, I suppose, as educators is to create students who are sort of lifelong learners who are not dependent just on kind of the, the program and the modules and then don't ever take it anywhere else but you kind of embed in those skills of you know that autonomy and and that sort of thing and I suppose that facilitation all ties into that doesn't it how those students sort of develop um yeah. so yeah no I think it's a really good point and it's so, that it's like student I, I know obviously in in education it's always student focused um, mm -hmm. but if you add in there that the busy being busy it's then a challenge um, but it's a challenge that people should get up for. Like, how can I embed this rather than that? Because we're negative bias. So we're, we're always that busy being busy. And yeah, lots of stories say, but I'll, I'll let you go. <laughs> <laughs> I could talk for ages. <laughs> OK, so our next uh, hot topic, if you like. So th this is probably something that was, was around pre-pandemic, but I think it's kind of come to the forefront of a lot of um, educators minds at the minute 
Um, and it's this idea, I suppose, of cohort identity. So obviously you, you work a lot with teams um, and kind of bringing people together. And I think there's been sort of evidence recently that um, students have struggled, particularly when maybe they've not ha had access to the face-to-face -face teaching that they would have usually with this sense of belonging and there's loads of research around kind of if, if students feel a part of something and, and they they have that cohort identity, they have that support from their peers, it's an overall better experience sort of in their studies. But I was just wondering, you know, have you experienced this idea of isolation maybe in teams? Um, and if you've got any sort of advice or, or ways you could see perhaps of building these relationships? Yeah, for a start, it is a massive thing. And I um, have been quite surprised about working with certain companies where this isn't embedded or they haven't done this yet. And obviously, I'm quite new in my business journey. And, and some of these businesses are, are big companies and they haven't got this yet. Um, but it is, you're right, it's a big thing. I, I sort of use an example of we... I do quite a lot of associate work and some work in the civil service. So the home office, passport, um, department working pensions, all, all those big, big organisations, a lot bigger than the military and, and also in the military. Um, but we've just done some work with a company um, this year around this and lots of things to mention. So one, just to go back to the overarching thing, it, it takes time, <laughs> it takes time, and it needs you as a leader, educator, organization to, to value that time, that again, in the long term, you're going to get better results. Um, so how do you do that? So I'll use civil service as a and the military as a, a great example. So I always say, we're not asking people to go rogue, but you can have your own identity, your own cohorts, because in the military, in the civil service, you, you can be thought of as a number, as you're just a cog in the system. And I say to people that as a team, wouldn't it be great for you to be the team which people want to come on to and to create your own identity? And, and it comes through asking questions. And, and I say we're not going rogue because our organisations have bigger overarching mission statements, values, beliefs. But this company that we worked with recently, um, we, we created that from the, the ground up. So we worked on the individual and we asked what their beliefs, values were. And then we brought them into teams of five and said, right, bring all your beliefs, values together. And so, so let's say we had got everybody to give five bullet points. We then brought them together with five other colleagues and said, right, from your five, have a little mini team, five core beliefs and values. And then we brought those teams again together and we just then layered it up. And then as part of that room, they had five core values, beliefs. And, and then we brought in the bigger overarching organisation culture pieces and they weren't that much different, but they just felt then that they understood where they fitted in. And, and yes, some of them didn't have some of their buzzwords that they had on their personal original five. That doesn't mean that they were counted out, but they'd have they'd had buy in all the way through 
to then be happy with the ones that had come out for the the organization and and then again this team that we worked with they were part of a global community so they were just part of um a couple of countries within europe and this is a global organization so it's kind of if we if we think too high and just think of like the big thing you do you get lost and and it's that big thing of the global organizations have a, a global senior leadership team that they sit and they and they they come up with these long <laughs> mission statements and of course they get lost it's more a corporate thing that this is what we stand this is what the brand stands for um, and again it doesn't matter that the people maybe align slightly differently because it all it all links together and fits together so so what does that mean for for the education piece i have done some work at um, higher education and colleges and universities about engaging students and i suppose it comes back to the facilitation as well it's asking questions being open and honest as a you'll know lecturers um even teachers that have had that connection with students and how do they do that that they show they show empathy they show um vulnerability they show they ask questions and they're not sort of directive they don't sort of stick a hundred percent to the criteria like you were saying about the modules and the criteria we can without even knowing it go edge towards that just naturally because that's where we're where, um we are target driven and education objective and driven um, and that's just jumped out of my mind actually the objectives I, I get a bit um, selfish when I deliver a workshop because I say these are the objectives that we we must hit and we are going to hit um, but my personal objective is that every single one of you in this room gets something from today um, and, and some of them might say, well, 80% of you will take something today and implement it tomorrow. 20% um, of you might not do it until a year because you're not in that um, zone to be able to implement. But all of you are in this workshop and you'll take on 100% of, of what's going on. Um, it's just every, everybody's different, aren't they? Everybody's different. So, so yeah, does that answer your question? It, there's lots of things that bounced around then. <laughs> yeah, no, it absolutely does. And I, I think it's sort of um, when you were talking about those core values and beliefs, we, we've done a bit of work recently around sort of well-being as well in, in the curriculum and that idea of being a part of something um, kind of chimes quite well with well-being because I think yeah. that getting lost then sort of add, adds to stress and, and such. But um, yeah, no, it does. Really and, and also just to add quickly that the the like getting somebody to buy into something, it's being um, to, to over communicate the reason why and the impact. So it's not just um, I'm just it literally just popped into my head then about sometimes we can get lost. And I remember going through higher edu education, university, college, and, and not necessarily it's challenging to do 100 percent of the time I, I get that but communicating all the time about where this all fits in and 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 because if we know the reason why we're a lot more bought into the process um if we're just doing modules for modules to modules and it can be as simple as communicating and understanding why we need we're, we're doing this because that will allow us then to lead on to X, Y, and Z. 
Um, but to do X, Y, and Z, we need A, B, and C. And and you know, you saw, I, I talk about parenting all the time. Like when you're a child, if you're just told, right, we're going now, the the world ends. So so we 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 do with our children. We tell them we give them countdowns, like ten minutes when we're going, and, and we're we're. And that's a weird kind of like link to what I just said, but it works because you're giving people information all the time. So when there's a decision that they need to implement something, they've bought into it because you've actually given them the reason why and the bigger picture. Um, so yeah, does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. It's that transparency, I think, isn't it? Like arming, I suppose if we take it back to students, it's, it's arming students with the knowledge, isn't it, of why they're doing what they're doing and then tapping into the motivation. Um, yeah. yeah, no, it does make sense. Awesome. Okay, so my third hot topic from the HE sector, I suppose it's kind of getting you to reflect a little bit, perhaps if you've seen any trends, maybe I'm thinking, I suppose, of skills. So if you've worked with any recent graduates, for example, do you see any gaps in, in certain skills that you think perhaps haven't been um, developed when they were at university? Um or any trends or or anything like that um perhaps that we as educators should focus a bit more on developing as part of the program so maybe some of those soft skills yeah there's a lot here and there's a couple of things so it is about the with with technology and with opportunities moving forward it is focusing on the people elements um like emotional intelligence and the people skills because we split all the stuff that we did in the military in from hard skills to soft skills. So the hard skill was delivering a, a climbing session, taking people out on the water. The soft skill was why are we doing that? How can we take this back to the workplace? So it would very much be working on the soft skills. So you're you're at you're in education to get the hard skill of a, a qualification, a skill set. What's the soft skill? Because if you work on the soft skill, you then leave with the um, self and situational awareness. You have the people skills. You've exposed yourself to lots of different um, areas of life, let's call it. And I liken this to the, um, I'm doing a lot of work with um, transitioning from the military into the real world. And, and it almost very much um, transfers from being in education into the real world and and what the big thing that comes out of this is and i've got a really good example of how you can embed this into people to think about it as well is the the passion and the drive to experience as many things as you can and connect with so many people and i was only on the dog walk this morning i was thinking there's two sides of this there's two sides of this and there's no right or wrong answer so you've got somebody that's in education that is is fully driven on a certain topic for example i know there's there's loads of examples so uh, you know, hopefully you'll know where i'm coming from with this is that you can put all your eggs in one basket so you can go towards a sector for example i'm trying to think of a good example and um, you could be going towards the aviation world for example and you can be going and speaking to connecting with looking for opportunities to get that experience um, and, and find out what, the, obviously the aviation world's massive. There's so many job opportunities in the aviation world. So start when you're in the education piece of finding out what you don't fancy as well as what you do like, and you can ask questions and network. And that's been a big game changer for me. 
But then on the other flip side of it, go and see a variety of things. Go and go and speak to so many people that I still am surprised now at I'm going to say my 38 years old um, that I still come across jobs that I did not did not know existed. So that really sort of makes me think about when I was at school and you don't necessarily know how many opportunities are out there. So a couple of my colleagues, when they left prior to me, said it's all about speaking to people. It's all about networking. And the reason why I'm where I am now is because of how I started the mentality I started the podcast with. I've I've got a big skill set now to attract people, talk to people, have that people skill. And people can do that for free. Like with social media nowadays, you can reach out to people, ask questions. The the ability to reach out and be interested, linking back to the judgment interest, and to be interested in people. That people have said, How have you got the founder of Reebok on your podcast, Stuart? Um, and I was like, Well, I just asked a question and I, and I was interested in in hearing his story and, and it happened. And um, so and it, a way of doing that, which has helped several people, um, is about staying on your line, but also going above and below your line. OK, so have a think about this. So your line is almost like stay in your lane. Um, so your line is where you're currently at. So stay on your line because then you can surround yourself with people on a similar journey and you can learn and develop, share stories and you can help motivate, push each other forward. So you're, you're, you're peers, if you like. So stay on your line. Be, don't be that sort of person that's like blinkers on. OK, this is my journey because it's that team thing. Is If you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go with others. Um, so there's a situational thing on that. There is a time, obviously, to be selfish sometimes. Um, and there's a way of explaining that. But so there's your line, but also go above your line. So go and find people that are five years ahead of you. Go and find people who you wouldn't even think about speaking to. Um, go and find people that will just give you ideas and inspiration. I, I've got this big vision that at some point in the future, I want to have um, multiple streams of income, multiple business opportunities. So I'll give an example. I, I would like to do some investment in the future. So I'm now, it's probably five, ten years away for me, but I'm starting to surround myself with people who are doing that. And I'm making connections, asking questions and um, and learning quite a lot. But then also go below the line and not that cheesiness of give back, but it is at the same time. So so help other people. Um, and suppose I'm I'm doing a little bit about this, about um, talking on podcasts at the minute. Um, I'm, I'm helping and supporting um, military transition companies because obviously I've been there, done it, giving back. But also that opens up so many connections because some of these people are going into businesses that I'm now doing some work with. Um, but it, it just makes you realise where you've come from as well. Sometimes we can be so focused on forwards and not looking at backwards. And, and so so it, it's a good way of thinking and, and upskilling yourself, having that line and making sure you go above and below. I've given people the, the challenge before about next week, implement that strategy. So next week, I want you to talk to somebody and book a meeting for above the line and um, on the line and also below the line. And and it just gets you thinking outside the box and pushes you forwards. 
Yeah, I think that's a, a great way to look at it. I'd, I'd not sort of considered that approach before, but it absolutely makes sense what, what you said. Yeah, I don't know exactly where I got it from. I think it's been like quite a few things that I, I deliver now. It's a combination of several things, and I think it has been spoken about and written about before, but it's worked for me, and I always say it's just a good starter mm. just to make you think differently and, and not go into that kind of, oh, before I know it, a week's gone by, two months have gone by, or oh, a year's gone by, and I'm no further forward. So it just in, um, gets you thinking and action. That's what I'm all about, actioning something over nothing. Mm-hmm. Great. So that's, that's the end of my sort of hot to- topics from the sector. I've just got a couple more questions that I thought would be interesting to ask. So I quite like asking this one um, to people who, like ourselves, who maybe have been out of education for a little while. <laughs> um, so if you could sort of send a letter or an email or contact your student self um, to give a little bit of advice, whether your student self would take that advice, I can't imagine 18 year old me would would listen to many people. <laughs> um, but what what would it say? Do you know what? This has caused me the most thought process when you, when you wrote this question. Um, because the, my first initial reaction was I wouldn't say much because <clears throat> the, the journey is what the journey is. <clears throat> and I wouldn't, even though there's been several challenges, don't get me wrong, um, but that has made up who I am and what I am now. So So I wouldn't want to sort of give that kind of, I'll do this, do that for the shortcut. And um, even though we all think in the short term, that would be great, wouldn't it? It would probably be made up of um, reminding myself, again, this is student self, isn't it? So yeah, you're right. I, I kind of, yeah, I probably would have listened, but I've always been this person, like follow what you love to do. Like if you can get paid to do what you love to do, what an amazing thing to happen. Um, and and I don't really want to get into a position of feeling like I have a job, um, which has certainly come out um, through everything I have done. So I would sort of imply that, that that's OK. But only recently have I been on another podcast talking about my transition out of the military and, and everything has just taken a little bit longer. Little bit is probably an understatement. It's taken a lot longer to get where I would like to have got to. Um, and yes, I've got to give myself a little bit of a leeway because of the 18 months we've just had. And if I was to tell myself that in my student days, or even as I was deciding to leave the military, I probably wouldn't have done it because I'm not a risk person. However, I would have just reminded myself because my passion is to be a master of my own destiny. Um, I was amazingly thankful for my time in the military. It gave me the skill sets I am now able to then deliver outside the military. So I would just say something cheesy like follow follow your passion and it's going to be OK um, or all that sort of thing. I wouldn't give any specifics. I know that's probably sounds a rubbish answer, but I just reflected on that answer and said, well, if I changed anything or if I implied something sooner or gave myself some sort of like hidden tips, I, I, it wouldn't be the same now. Um, and, and I'm far from where I want to be now. I'm, I'm quite a real big picture person. Um, so, yeah, does that is that OK? <laughs> yeah, I think I'd probably do something similar. I don't think I would give specifics, but, yeah, it'd probably be something general, like, you know, just it'll come good, just keep at it sort of yeah. thing. 
But uh, yeah, it's an interesting question, that one, isn't it? Yeah, it, is. it definitely made me think the most. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so finally then, I suppose just to, to wrap us up and finish us off, have you got any advice for, for staff or students? Maybe uh, one takeaway, for example, of about the, the things that we've talked about today, but any advice um, for any areas that you think um, make a big impact? So if if somebody was listening to this today and, and took one message away to sort of try and implement in their own practice, yeah, what would you choose, I suppose? So I'll choose one thing I've already mentioned and one thing I kind of nearly went to say but um and sort of alluded to so so one is is reach out and connect to people and reach out and talk to people and don't go it alone um then the other one was was be selfish and and it's this came to me in somebody asked me a question and i'd almost covered all the answers within the conversation already and i was like oh i've got nothing else to give here i've already said everything and then this dawned on me about being selfish society almost frowns upon the word selfishness like it's almost like not acceptable to be selfish and um, but then when you look at these high performers and let's use sport for example high performers olympics and um, gold medalists um they've got to be selfish to put themselves first and i've dealt with this in the fitness industry i've dealt with this in business now um and it, it's not about Yes, some people deliver it better than others <laughs> regards to this selfishness. Um, but it's internal selfishness, like put yourself first and don't listen to others. Go out and ask questions, Be um, look for an adventure and gain information. You mentioned about lifelong learner. I'd, I've got my own podcast now, but I, I started listening to podcasts only a couple of months before I started my own. Um, I left the military and I wanted to keep the learning going because there's a lot of training and development in the military. And, and I thought, I don't want to lose that. So that's one of the reasons I've kept one of my associate roles, because they're really good to, for me to keep my finger on the pulse. Um, even though I'm delivering, um, I've got some amazing world-class deliverers as part of my business now. So my job is to drive the business, not necessarily deliver. So it's that lifelong learning piece that keep yourself engaged and, and it just helps move forward a little bit quicker than if you were negatively biased. Like that that whole thing of the human nature is is negatively biased. If there's an easy way of doing something, we'll, we'll, we will attract that overthinking actually that there's a better way to, that's going to help me in the long term. So yeah, that, that selfishness, that internal selfishness, put yourself first, go out there and drive and push, open the doors because um, some of them will surprise you. Some of them will be like, oh no, I need to close that door. I'll, I'll go and look for other opportunities. Um, so yeah, those two things. Hopefully that helps. Yeah, I know that's really good. And I know we've we've talked about sort of like it's almost reframing it how you think, isn't it, with that sort of negative bias. Like I know you you talk about not problems but challenges. Yeah. So it's then something for you to go and conquer rather than something for you to solve almost. And it's sort of it really helps, I think, doesn't it, trying to reframe how you tackle things and yeah, going it's, at it's them positively. The, it's the thing of um hard and challenging. So the word hard is a shutdown word like oh it's going to be hard this um, and even as educators as facilitators it's very impactful the language we use as well because um i've talked about this recently as well that the 
I can't remember the exact figures, but it, it's sort of, and I'm always a bit um, tentative about quoting figures because they're not always situational and relevant to us. But but 60, 70 percent of behaviours of a team come from the leader, how they operate, how they hold themselves. And then if you think somebody said, well, is the aim to get to 100 percent? Well, it's not because if it gets to 100% of the values, behaviours of the leader, you're then you've created a robot because they're just duplicating you. So there's got to be a self-discovery element and, and empowerment as well. Um, but yeah, there's so many um, ways that you can embed and, and push and drive that culture forwards and that environment for others. Remember, leadership's not about you, but it's all about you because it's your responsibility to sort of drive others, um, which is really important. Yeah, thank you. I think there's a lot of um, food for thought there. I think we've touched on a lot um, sort of through the episode and I can already see us getting you back maybe to drill down into more specifics. Um, yeah, that'd be amazing. Areas. That'd be good if you'd have me back. Always yeah, like to no, share and add value to people. <laughs> that'd be wonderful. And yeah, I encourage all of our listeners to go and check out Stuart's podcast because it, it is fabulous. Um, so it's hashtag leadership, what's on your mind? Um, and we, we can put some links in uh, below where we share this. Yeah, um, fantastic. Can I tell you who, who we've got on? Uh, who yeah, we've got please do. So um, we start again in... September and we've got um, a GB coach that's out in Tokyo um, he's the head coach for um, the paddle sports so the the, the straight um, canoeing kayaking on the straight water um, so that'd be amazing he's ex-military as well and then we've got the CEO of Chester Zoo coming on and then we've got the only only teacher in the UK that's got Tourette's so that's an inspirational inspiring story um, and I've got another leadership person who's got his own leadership podcast and then an entrepreneur, business owner who's who's finished in business, sold up and um, been very successful. So it'd be interesting to find out his story in leadership as well. So a diverse bunch as it is every month. Yeah, no, that sounds fantastic. Thank you so much for, for joining us today. Um, it's been wonderful. And as I say, I hope we can get you back um, to discuss things in a bit more depth. But thank you so much. Awesome. Well, thank you for having me.